the finisher of our faith, the source of our salvation. We humbly come to you this morning in this amazing and strange times. We ask for your presence, dear Lord, to be in every house and in every mind and in every heart who are listening right now. The nation and the world, dear Father, is in fear. And you know you have promised us that you will be with us. You are our fortress and our strength. And say to us, you shall not be afraid because I am with you. Dear Father, as we cope with a crisis that we have currently, we just ask that you make your, your Holy Spirit be particularly felt, especially in our uh, in our elderly, in our grandpas and grandmas, our parents, brothers and sisters. Be with each and every one of them and take this fear away. We pray, dear Father, for our community on Modesto, we pray for a conference. We pray for our nation as a whole. We pray that you will give our leaders the foresight, the insight, the knowledge, and the wisdom in fighting this crisis that befalls. us. We pray for all those families and all our friends and our loved ones who have losses. And we know that there will be many more. We ask for the Holy Spirit to comfort them. We ask that as we go and look to the future, dear God, give us the wisdom and the knowledge through the words in the Bible that we know that you are in control and that we know that your son Jesus Christ is coming to this world soon. Help us, strengthen us, preserve us, sustain us till we see the King of Kings in the clouds of heaven and we are waiting anxiously for that day. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. It's funny how being apart makes you realize how nice it is to be together. Would you agree? <laughs> Saw somebody posted on the Facebook stream to that effect saying, won't it be so nice when we can be back together again? If you didn't hear already, we have an opportunity each Wednesday to come together, at least on the phone. We have a conference call line that's set up. The number is 425-436-6330. And the access code is 629-604. We've posted links to this already on our Facebook page. But join us each Wednesday at 7 
on our conference call. Uh, for special music today, we're going to have you sing in your home <laughs> special music, and I'm sure it will be very special, and if you want to video it, you can <laughs> upload it to our <laughs> Parkwood page, or we'll just take your word for it. Amen. But we have some very talented people in our congregation, don't we? Our sermon title today is The Prayer That Jesus Would Not Pray. Have you ever said the wrong thing? I know I sure have. Put your foot in your mouth and realize, oh, I wish I had not have said that. One time I was helping with a project for uh, some needy families, and there was a young lady and a young boy, and I said to her, oh, is this your brother? And she said, no, that's my son. Ooh, I wish I hadn't have said that. Shouldn't have said those kinds of things. Uh, I learned growing up that you don't ask a lady how old she is. You also don't ask her how much she weighs. That's just something you don't ask somebody, generally speaking. Uh, what are some other things that you generally shouldn't ask? You feel free to comment. Uh, I'm sure there are many things that we could comment on. Uh, I've also learned you should never assume somebody's pregnant. Because if they aren't pregnant and they've just gained some weight, it's really, really bad. So unless you're already at their, bridal, or their baby shower or there's a baby coming out of them, you just don't ask. That's what I learned. That's what I learned. So there are many things in life that we shouldn't ask, that we shouldn't say. But there was a prayer that Jesus wouldn't pray. And it wasn't because it was inappropriate to pray it or that it would be offensive and hurt people's feelings if he prayed this prayer. It's just that he knew there were really good reasons not to pray that prayer, not to ask God to do a certain thing. Now, some of you are probably thinking that I'm referring to a prayer on the cross to take him off the cross or maybe a prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane but I'm actually not referring to either of those places. I'm referring to something Jesus said a little bit before then. It's in uh, Jesus' longest prayer that we have recorded. Can you guess where that's at? John 17 is exactly where that's at. So open up your Bibles, your phones, listen in. John chapter 17, we're going to read through uh, portions of this prayer, but we're going to be focusing in on one particular aspect, something Jesus said he wouldn't pray for. John chapter 17, and we'll start in verse 1, and when you're there, you can say amen. amen. And I won't hear you, but you can say it anyways, right? John chapter 17 has this great prayer, and there are kind of three key parts to the prayer. In the first part of the prayer, Jesus is praying for himself, generally speaking, and then he turns his focus towards his disciples, and then finally he prays for all believers. But let's notice what we have here starting in verse 1. And Jesus spoke these words, lifted up his eyes to heaven, and said, Father, the hour has come. If you've been following along in the Gospel of John, this chronology of where this prayer comes, this prayer comes right before 
everything goes down in the last few days and hours of Christ's life. He prays this prayer, and then in chapter 18, Garden of Gethsemane and his betrayal happens. So Jesus, in John 17, verse 1, he lifts his eyes to heaven and he says, Father, the hour has come. He knew it was time. If you knew it was your last few hours, last day or two of your life, what would you be praying about? What would you be asking God for? Those are some pretty special words and pretty uh, unique opportunity. Look at what Jesus prays for in regards to himself. He says, glorify your son, speaking in third person here, that your son may also glorify you. So it was a prayer for himself, but it was a prayer that was actually directed at himself so that he could make God look even better. It's about to happen, God, but I want to make you look good through all of this. Verse 2, as you have given him, that's me, authority over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as you have given him. And this is eternal life, he says in verse 3, that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Relationship with Jesus is foundation to salvation. He didn't say, this is eternal life, that they might buy their way into heaven, that they might earn it through their behavior into heaven. He said it was based off of knowing him, a true heartfelt relationship. The only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. I have glorified you on this earth, he said. I have finished the work which you have given me to do. Wouldn't it be awesome if, if we could say that in our lives? I've finished the work that God has given for me. He realized he'd done everything that God had asked him to do in every single situation. Verse 5, And now, O Father, glorify me together with you with the glory which I had with you before the world was. He's hearkening back to that day before, you know, 33 years previous when he was in heaven, right before, or even before then, because he says before the world was, before they even made the world, he's remembering that glory and he's saying, now we want that glory to happen again so that people can see you, so that this rescue mission of salvation, people can know about it and want to partake in it. So he prays for himself. And then he shifts his, his attention in verse 6 to his disciples. But just after that, let's skip ahead for a moment to verse 20, because he prays for all of his believers. Look at verse 20. I do not pray for these alone, referring to his disciples, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. So who is that? He's praying literally for us. Do you believe in Jesus through the word of the disciples that's been passed down throughout the generations? If so, then Jesus was praying for you. He was praying for me. And what was his prayer? Verse 21, that they may be as one as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they may also be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. He prayed for unity. 
for us in these last days and throughout all the days. And it's interesting that the unity is something that uh, is more difficult to achieve right now, uh, at least as far as being physically proximate, close to one another, but not too close. But we can still be united even though we're separated, even though some of you are streaming this from from California or Washington or wherever you may be watching from, we can be united together in one purpose and in one Savior. We can be fulfilling Jesus' prayer through our unity. Verse 22, And the glory which you gave me I have given them that they may be one just as we are one. I in them and you in me that they may be made perfect in one and that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. The world is supposed to know about the love of God through the love that Jesus puts in our heart for one another. This is a time when we're, we're caused, we're here in California, we're supposed to be in our homes, not gathering in big groups, staying in as far as possible. But even though that's the case, we can follow the, the guidelines and still show love for one another. There are people in this community that need to receive a text message from you, need to receive a call from you, uh, need to receive a card from you. There are people that you can show love to today, church members, community members, people that God wants to love you, love them through you today to fulfill this great prayer of Jesus. But let's go back to verse 6. In the beginning, Jesus prayed for himself that he might be glorified for the purpose of glorifying the Father. And in the end, he prayed for all of us that we might be united. And through that unity, we would bring more glory, more attention, more people that would want to join together and be a part of a group of people that he will take to his everlasting kingdom through the love that they display. But in the middle, he spends the most amount of time praying for the people he's been training, that have been observing him over these last three years. Verse 6, John 17, I have manifested your name to men whom you have given me out of the world. They were yours, you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they have known all things which you have given me are from you. For I have given to them the words which you have given me, and they have received them, and have known surely that I came forth from you, and they have believed that you sent me. He's saying, Father, I told them what you told me to say. And they believed it, and they believe in you, they believe in me. They're ready. And then we get to verse 9. I pray for them. I do not pray for the world, but for those for whom you have given me, for they are yours. The focus was not on the general world at this point. The focus was on his disciples at that moment. And all of mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. Verse 11, now I am no longer in the world, but these are in the world, and I come to you. He's saying, I'm about to go to you, Father. I've got to go through the cross but I'm starting to leave this world here. I can feel it. But these guys, they're going to be left behind. So he says, Holy Father, keep through your name those whom you have given me, that they may be one as we are. 
I'm about to leave. But Father, please help these guys, this ragtag group of disciples that I have gathered together, help them, help them be united. He knew how easily they could be divided. Walking down the road one day, he comes up to them and says, hey guys, what were you discussing earlier along the path? They were a little embarrassed because they were discussing who was going to be the greatest. He knows what it's like when the mother of James and John came and asked him, uh, would you please let my son sit on the left and right of you in the kingdom? And the disciples were just mad. I can't believe this lady. What is she asking? So Jesus knew the importance of praying that his disciples would stay united, unified. Verse 12, while I was with them in the world, I kept them in your name. Those whom you gave me I kept, and none of them is lost except for the son of perdition, that the scripture might be fulfilled. He knew that Judas was going to betray him. And it wasn't that Judas had no choice, but he knew that that was the free choice that Judas was going to make. Verse 13, but now I come to you and these things I speak in the world that they might have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them your word and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. And now the prayer that Jesus refused to pray in verse 15. I do not pray that you should take them out of the world. Now that's an interesting thing to say. Jesus knows what heaven is like. Jesus knows that heaven is far better than anything in this world, the world that he made. He knows what the angel chorus sings like. He knows what the light and the beauties and the glory of heaven is like. He knows he's about to go up to heaven. And he knows if he wanted to, he could say, God, I've got some guys, some people I want you to bring with me. Because in another place in the Gospels, it tells us when Christ was resurrected, the graves opened up and people throughout the centuries who had died, faithful saints, rose up out of those graves. And as we talked about last week, some of those, as they, well, all of those probably were uh, able to ascend with Jesus to heaven. And, And many people believe perhaps they became the 24 elders that praise God around the throne. So Jesus, it wouldn't have been that hard. He could have said, God, I want you to take these guys. They're special to me. All of them except for one has been, will be faithful to me and gets it. But instead he said, I do not pray that you should take them out of the world. We love to be with our friends and our family, especially around the holidays. Thanksgiving is my favorite holiday. Great food. But more than that, great time to be together with family. So it's odd that Jesus said, I'm not going to even ask for that. The disciples earlier in John, John chapter 11, had said, well, we're going to Jerusalem. Jesus is going to die. We might as well go die with him. They thought they were going to have to die. So why didn't he pray and ask God to take his disciples out of the world? Why didn't he just do him a favor and give him a fast pass to the heavenly kingdom? 
I'd like to suggest this morning that there are two really good reasons why Jesus didn't do that. Notice what he did pray instead. He said, but that you should keep them from the evil one. They are not of this world, just as I am not of this world. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. Reason number one why Jesus would not pray and ask for his disciples to be removed is because they were sent into the world. The world needed them. The world needed them. They may not have wanted to stick around, but they were sent on an important mission, and it was too important to take them out of the mission. We can go back through the scriptures and think about other people that have wanted to, to take the easy way out, wanted to duck out early. Think about Elijah. He's just gotten down off Mount Carmel. Things are going amazingly well for him. And then he finds out that, that uh, the queen, Jezebel, wants to kill him. He gets afraid. He ends up eventually in a place where he's saying, God, just kill me. Just take my life now, Lord. God, I, I'm done. I'm out. I'm tapping out, God. Take me out. But did God take him out? Thankfully, mercy said no. You still have a work to do, Elijah. Elijah, maybe you're done, but there's somebody that you need to anoint. You need to give a double portion of your spirit to. Elijah, you still have an important, powerful work. David, you can recall those words in the Psalms where, he, where it says, Oh, that I had wings like a dove, then I would fly away and be at rest. It's hard right now, God. I just want to escape. Beam me up, God. I'm ready. But God still had a work for David to do as a king. The Apostle Paul in Philippians. In fact, this is a good verse to, to flip to if you're able. Philippians chapter 1. Verse 23, Philippians 1, 23. The Apostle Paul didn't always want to be where he was at. He, he was stoned and left for dead. He was beaten multiple times, shipwrecked, jailed, went through all sorts of hardships. But yet God still had a work for him, and so God allowed him to continue on in that work. Philippians 1, 23 Backing it up, though, to verse 21, he says, For me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. He realized, if I die, it's gain, because the next thing I'll know, the next moment that I'll perceive, is seeing Christ coming to resurrect me, giving me that new body, and I'll be with him. To live is Christ, but to die is gain. But if I live on in the flesh, verse 22, this will mean fruit from my labor. In other words, there are going to be more souls who will be saved if I keep staying alive. Yet what shall I choose I cannot tell. Verse 23, for I am hard pressed between the two, having a desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. Nevertheless, he says, to remain in the flesh is more needful for you. And being confident of this, that I shall remain and continue with you, you all for your progress and joy in the faith, 
that your rejoicing for me may be more abundant in Jesus Christ by my coming to you again. Paul said, I'd rather just tap out and go to be with God in my next waking moment at the resurrection. But he said, I'd better not because it's good for you guys if I stick around. So Jesus, back in John 17, he says, I'm not going to pray that you take my followers out of this world. Why? Reason number one, he had a work for them to do. The world still needed them. Think about it. If there were no apostles to spread the good news of Jesus, if they were all gone, probably we'd never even heard about Jesus. We wouldn't know the good news of salvation. If there weren't the people who helped tell you and your family and your grandparents about Jesus and the hope and salvation of him, you wouldn't know, possibly either. Jesus says, no, they have a work to do. And because that work was done, we now know what we know. So what's the second reason? I said there were two reasons. Reason number one, the world still needed him. So God said, I'm going to keep you around. I need you here. Reason number two is that they needed the world. Now, what do I mean by that? They didn't need the sinful pleasures of the world, but they needed the experience of trials in the world that was going to form and mold their characters even more. Uh, flip over to Romans chapter 5, not too far away from the Gospel of John. Romans 5, verses 3 through 4. Romans 5, verses 3 through 4. Are you there? It says, And not only that, but we also glory in tribulations. Wait, what? We, we glory in, in COVID-19? Knowing that tribulation produces perseverance. And perseverance, character. And character, hope. And now hope doesn't disappoint because the love of God has been poured out into our hearts by the Spirit who was given for us. There's a, a work for us in troubles, in difficulties, in the act of serving God and facing difficulties because the work is what happens in our hearts during that process. I'll tell you what, uh, obviously we're still working out some glitches with our, our technical things here, if you tried to join our stream early on this morning, but we're learning through this process. Next week, we're going to be even better at this process. Uh, we'll learn out how to serve you better remotely. We'll learn how to stay connected better over this next week. We are growing in this process. Sometimes God doesn't remove us from trials because there's something important in the trial for us to learn. What does it say in James 1, 2? It says rejoice when you come into various trials and sufferings because of what it produces in your life. Jesus, looking into the future, knew that if he plucked his disciples from the earth, number one, the earth wouldn't know about him, wouldn't know the good news. But number two, his disciples wouldn't have the opportunity to have their characters be continually molded through those sufferings, through those difficulties. 
Uh, about a month or so ago, I was out rock climbing with my friend Nathan. We're up in Sonora doing some climbing, and we're on the warm-up climb for the day. Uh, warm-up climb because you need to get warmed up, and it was very cold. In fact, we had hand warmers in our chalk bag because it was maybe in the 30s, upper 30s at the time. So your hands are cold, you're trying to grip the rock, but your, your fingers are going numb. And I'm on the warm-up climb, but I'm just a couple of moves from the top. I'm leading, which means I have the rope tied to me and I'm attaching it to the bolt as I go up. Um, and I'm at the very last couple moves. All I need to do is get my left hand here and my right hand, big pull up to here. I'm on what they call the clip jug, which means you're about to clip the anchors and it's a big hole, it's like a jug, grab onto that. And I'm, I'm just below that. But instead of getting my left hand here, I get my right hand here. And then I realize, oh no, I, I can't make this move. This is a problem and my fingers are getting numb and I'm tired and I'm scared. I, and so I, I say, take, which means uh, I'm going to retreat to the last bolt and I'll let you pull the rope tight so I can rest. And I heard something from below. He said, no, you can do it. I'm not going to take. He said, you need to take a fall before I take. And I'm like, oh no. And so I, I muster my courage and I, and I finally get my left hand here and then I get my right hand up here and ah, I can hang on to it and I get clipped through the anchors and then I relax and I rest. And we shared a good laugh over it and I said, Nathan, that was actually exactly what I needed. Because I was letting my fear and the conditions and uh, my excuse of messing up the sequence prevent me from my success. I needed that push. I needed to go through that difficulty so that I could have the confidence to do it the next time and to move on to the next thing, the bigger thing, the better thing. Sometimes God allows us to go through difficulties because of what it's going to do in our hearts our minds, our lives. God hasn't taken us out of this coronavirus uh, pandemic. He hasn't taken us out of this society that is really quite uh, frightened and alarmed because he's got a work for us to do. He has a work for you to do, a work for me to do. There are people in this community that are looking for the hope that we have. They're needing to, something to grasp onto, and perhaps you're the only one that can reach them. You know them. You're connected with them. Your personality will work better with them than mine will. God has a work for you. Number two, God has a work in our hearts that he wants to do. Perhaps as we go through these difficult times, this is exactly what God is wanting to do in our hearts so that we can learn to trust him better. I know for me, it's easy to just relax and think everything is good, everything's secure. And it's easy not to pray like I should. It's easy just to trust that, that things are going to keep on going the way they always have gone. Easy to trust that your 401k will be there, will be secure. Easy to trust that your health will continue going on well. But maybe God is allowing this so that we can learn to trust him better so that we can become a people of prayer better, so that we can learn how to connect with one another better. 
You know, it's, it's easy to come to this place week by week, but not really connect. Maybe through this, God is going to allow us to have the opportunity and privilege to learn what it means to really connect with one another, to really look after the well-being of one another. So I don't know what God wants to do in your life today, tomorrow, this next week. I don't know what this next week will bring. But I want to be praying a special prayer. I want to be praying, God, number one, how can I reach out to people in my limited ability? How can I use technology this week? How can I use what you've given me to be a blessing? And number two, God, what do you want to do in my heart this week? What do you want to say to me through the difficulties that we're facing right now and, and the, the things that we'll face in the future? What do you want to say? And if that's your desire uh, to pray along with me, then I just invite you to bow your heads with me in your home, wherever you're at right now. Bow your head with me and let's pray that God will strengthen us and be with us in these next few days, in this next week, and that he will use us to reach others for him. Let's bow our heads. Dear Heavenly Father, I am thankful, Lord Jesus, that you didn't pray to remove the disciples. You didn't ask them to be taken away. And because of that, Lord, we know about you. We know the good news about you. And today, we want to be a part of sharing that good news also. There are people that we know, people in this community, in our church community, in our broader community, that need assurance and comfort that only you can bring. But Lord, we pray that you'll use us to help bring that to them this week. If there are phone calls or text messages or emails or cards or, or, or something else we need to do, help us to do it. And secondly, Lord, if there's a work that you want to do in our lives that can only happen in these unique circumstances, then Lord, let us be open. Let us be willing to let you continue to mold us so that we can be more like you more loving like you. And someday soon, whenever you return, whether it's soon or whether it's uh, a little less soon, we pray that day by day we will have that joy and expectation in our hearts. This is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Let us know if you need anything. We're going to be right back here next week. We might even have Sabbath school streaming for you next week. We'll let you know if we, if we do that. Uh, but please join us for prayer meeting on Wednesday. You can check out the links to find the phone number for our conference call. God bless you, and we'll be seeing you soon.